Hello, and welcome to a new episode of Good People Talk, which is the podcast series of the Good People Fund. In Good People Talk, we sit with members of the Good People Fund family, changemakers who are combining their vision and sweat to literally repair the world. We seek to learn from them and be inspired by them. Today, we're with Evan Robbins, who is the founder and CEO of Breaking the Chain Through Education, a Good People Fund grantee organization. Evan is a social studies teacher at Metuchen High School in New Jersey. Back in 2006, he was reading an article about a six-year-old boy who was enslaved in the fishing industry in the Lake Volta region in Ghana. As the father himself of a six-year-old child at the time, Evan felt compelled to take action and change the situation. He brought the issue to his high school students, and they embarked on a journey to learn about modern-day slavery and to do something about it. Breaking the Chain Through Education was born as successive classes of Evans started to create community partnerships as well as international alliances to raise money, increase awareness, create projects in the Lake Volta region, and begin rescuing children and nurturing them to more positive futures. To date, Breaking the Chain has positively impacted the lives of about 100 formerly enslaved children in the Lake Volta region and was a catalyst in the building of a school. In this episode, Naomi Eisenberger, the co-founder and executive director of the Good People Fund, sits with Evan and two of his students to discuss how vision and passion can lead to change and impact. Evan, I remember, it's probably five years ago, I read an article about you in the local paper, but I don't remember how we met. I think it was the reporter who wrote the article about me and she said, we should meet. Okay, that's right. I, I, I never was... remember. There are so many great programs. I never remember exactly how I met somebody. What was your magic moment? What made you say, aha, I can fix that? Do you think your response was in any way driven by being a teacher? Working with teens especially and awakening their social activism? Partly, but it's also, they inspire me, too. It's a two-way street. So I saw a newspaper story in the New York Times about a six-year-old boy, Mark Quadwell, who was a child slave. My daughter was six. It was emotional. It meant something to me. And then I brought it to my students. They came to me, and they also said, we should do something. It was come, it's a two-way street. It's not only me bringing things to them, but them bringing ideas to me or bringing their passion back to me. So I think it's a more of a, a two-way of us kind of working out together. I decided that, you know, we need to know a little more first-hand information. So I brought in a speaker who was a former child slave, had the PTO, asked them if they would pay for it, brought in a man who was trafficked. His name is Simon Dang. Uh, that guy is even more motivated. We had the idea that we should do a walk. And the first year we decided to do a walk. We raised $7,000. We were so impressed by ourselves that, you know, <laughs> this little class of 22 kids was able to raise $7,000. And that was 2006, 2007. It's a long time ago. Yes, it is. It's <laughs> been, been going for a long time and saving a lot of kids' lives. Obviously, what you're doing engages the wider community. You've got your students. You've got their parents. You've got the community of Metuchen involved and beyond that. Why do you think it's important to engage particularly young people? What do you think that they get out of all of this in a theoretical way and in a more substantive way? They realize that they can make a difference and change the world. The way I run things is just my nature. I put them in charge. They're running the events. 
when students ask questions, I'll refer to the kids who are the heads of those committees to, you know, answer those questions. Days of events, I could step back and the kids run it and they're in charge. We just did an event Friday night where we had over 200 people at a movie night. 200 people for a movie night and we raised $2,500. And that was a small little event. You know, the turnout was amazing. The students were there. They ran everything. And, and that's important for them to have ownership and to be in charge. If we had a club where I was, they came and I said, you do this, you do that, I wouldn't show up. So, I mean, it's important for them to be in charge and doing it. And, you know, that's what they enjoy and that's what they like. And they know. And after leaving, they go to college and start programs or they're involved in these things. And, and I hear from them that it stayed with them. So I know it's made a difference in their lives. We've got here two of your students who you've selected to sit in the hot seat. Could you introduce Yes, so uh, they're actually twins, and we have Rebecca and Juliana Margolin. They're legacy kids. Their older sister was president of the club. They are very active. Uh, They've come to Ghana with me, and they're two of my stars. What do you guys get out of this? How do you feel about the work that's going on in, in Ghana, and what has it taught you? When we're in the high school, Sometimes it feels like is the things that we're are the things that we're doing like really making a difference. But since Rebecca and I got the opportunity to go to Ghana almost over two years ago, we're able to really see there the difference that we make. We were able to bring them tons of clothing. We were able to bring them soccer balls, and that might seem like a really small thing to do, but the looks on their faces when they got to kick around those soccer balls for the first time and they got to hold them was just priceless. And like seeing their faces when we came over and the smiles and when um, the kids interacted with um, Mr. Robbins, they were just so happy, and it really paid off. It showed what, what we were doing really mattered. And it also really reminds you that you really have to be thankful for what you have because like Juliana said a soccer ball which is something that you know doesn't seem like a big deal to someone in America or someone that plays soccer even just a soccer ball to them is something that they wouldn't have necessarily or most of them didn't have to begin with and seeing like a school uniform that's all beat up and for Mr. Robbins to raise the money to get them a new belt or to get them their uniform fixed or another uniform that's something that we take for granted in America. And kids that go to schools where they need uniforms, they don't have to worry about where that's coming from. And it just really opened our eyes to these issues that you don't really think about when you're from a sheltered town in New Jersey. Think about all of the kids who are in Ghana who are either trafficked or in some way living lives that are nothing like what you're experiencing. So. Do you ever stop to think, what good is what we're doing? Does it really matter? If we're only saving 10 lives, what about everybody else? Um, It starts with one person. And once you save one person, then it leads to saving the next. So it might only be 10 lives, but that's still 10 lives that you've made a difference in. Changing the life of one person is just the first step. Yeah, I don't think... I don't think that when Mr. Robin started the organization, he ever thought that we would uh, be able to help 76. 76 kids in Ghana and be able to help them get educated and get out of slavery. And build and, relationships with right, them. And just have the lives that, that this organization has given them. So even though it might not seem like a lot, 
I truly think that what we're doing is paving the way for even greater things in the future. You're probably right. <laughs> yeah, we're going to take on more kids. We're hoping yeah. to take on another 25 yeah. in All the right. near future. One of the adult members of one of my committees who ran the Sam List run said to me, you know, what he admired about us was how practical we were. Right. You know, yeah. like if we raise more money, we'll care for these. We, right. you know, we make sure we raise enough money to care for them. We don't overextend and, you know, we're going to do what we can. Let's backtrack a, a bit. We talked about trafficking, but what's the depth of trafficking, the problem within Ghana? I'm going to focus on what I deal with. We deal with children who were trafficked to Lake Volta. Lake Volta is the largest man-made lake in the world. Uh, river was dammed up, which means there's trees and the kids throw the nets in the water. They have to pull them up. They have to dive in the water, untangle the nets. Every year I hear of the children who drowned and, and didn't make it out. People losing limbs or uh, eyes being poked out. Of children four or five years of age starting to work. Many of the children I work with are short. And they've never reached their full height. There's just awful work and it should never be done by a child. There are other forms of trafficking, but I focus on this one area. I focus on three regions, so we, I can't really talk about the depth of it. I'm, we're so micro that we don't really deal with the macro mm -hmm. approach. We're really focused on our children, how to help them, how to help them have a long-term, better life. That's what our day-to-day -day question is. What do we have to do for each child to help them be successful? What do you see that's particularly Jewish about this work? Tikkun Olam. Uh, save, a ch save a life, you save the world. Well, we save 76. Who knows what these children are capable of, what their children are capable of. You know, you, it's, just, it's not just the child, you're saving all their future generations to come. Right. These kids are so special. I just had Michael here, and Michael was one of our formerly trafficked kids who's in school, and he had to come to America, made friends with my students. He wants to be a lawyer one day to protect other children. I'm now employing two of my former people I helped part-time to help me care for other kids. I think these kids have unbelievable potential to make the world a better place and to help others. Since you began, what can you point out as perhaps the most memorable moment in all these years from, what, 2006? I don't think I have one moment, but it's watching the kids grow up. Mm -hmm. I've seen some of them since 2010, and they were these little boys um, and girls who jumped in my arms. And now they come over and give me a hug, but if they jumped in my arms, they'd be knocking me over. <laughs> you know, so, um, and just seeing them go through their ups and downs and, and to come out successful and to see how, you know, watching them grow up. I think it's more about the, the maturity of the children and, and the organization. Right. You know, I started with a little fundraiser with one class. Now we uh, opened our own office in Ghana. We're hiring a staff there. We're working on our own. We, we've changed so much and matured so much. Right. So just the whole growth of the organization, which I'm sure is slower than many because I'm a full-time teacher, and this is something I'm doing every moment of spare time I get to, to be successful. It's not slower. <laughs> <laughs> Having worked with probably more than 100 programs over my time in this nonprofit world, I would say, at least for me personally, I have loved watching. And I can point back to the very beginnings of when we started to interact, talking about websites and board development. For me, it feels so great to see where 
this has where this has gone. And then all the high school students who've been impacted every right. year, there'll be over 100 students who work with us in one way or another, either running events or attending yeah. events and participating. And what you will never know is what those experiences actually instilled in them and what may happen 10 years down the road that they can that you can draw a line from what happened in this classroom to what they just did that's a really significant outcome why do you think it's an important thing to do good in this world i mean breaking the chain is not something i wake up and say should i work on i have 76 children carrying counting on me I have no other way of thinking. I, I don't. It's not a question that ever occurred to me. Right. Like, should I do this? Right. It's like I can do this. Why wouldn't I do this? The question doesn't make sense to me because <laughs> why? Why? Not? Why wouldn't I? <laughs> right. If I have the ability and I could help other, I consider myself so lucky. I have children that I've cared for, and I go there, and they jump in my arms and they cry because they're so happy to see me. And I have, you know, that gift that these kids give me. So I feel really fortunate. I get so much payback. The payback is probably yeah. way more than what you give. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, how could you ever express that? You know, right. when I get to see Dennis and she comes in my arm and she's crying because she's so happy to see me because it's been a year. Right. And we get to see each other or Joshua or any of them. Um, I get messages from them all the time. Daddy, you know, hi, <laughs> you know, you know, how are you? You know, and so I feel, you know, really blessed by my experience with them and working with them. and. Uh, what they give back to me. It, you know, it's interesting as I think back over the years, technology has really changed your work because yes. today with WhatsApp, you can communicate with these kids all the time. Yeah, so the older ones, we started buying phones for because they needed a phone, you know, the more advanced ones if they were older in their 20s than younger ones in their teens. Right. But we wanted them to have an ability to communicate with my social worker. That was the, the genesis. We wanted them to be able to reach out to her. Lizzie was the first one I bought a phone for. The first thing we did when we got the phone for Lizzie was to call them and kind of reach out to Juliana and Rebecca and Brooke because they had met her the year before. They had to be able to talk, so they were very excited to be able to communicate <laughs> with each other. I'll let you guys talk about that. Yeah, how does what is it like to uh, you know Snapchat, WhatsApp? Yeah. It's surreal almost because seeing them for the first time and meeting them and Lizzie, who he just spoke about, we actually got a dance with because we're dancers and she danced as well. And just having those memories to us, it kind of seemed like a one-time thing almost. So getting to actually hear her voice over the phone after almost a year and getting to see pictures of her that she sent to us wearing clothing that we had Mr. Robbins bring to her. It was so unexpected, but like so appreciated because like we said before, like sitting here is completely different than being over there and understanding that what we actually do really does make a difference and made a difference to her. Yeah, they, they were dancers and everybody in Ghana is a dancer. Oh, they are? Oh, oh. yeah, because it's part of the thing. You grew up in school, you're doing dances. Every village has their dancers. Uh. So I got them together. I said, you guys should teach each other a dance. I think it was Juliana, but she goes, Mr. Robbins, that was actually a good idea. Yeah. With such surprise in her voice, you know. <laughs> but that was great watching them and we have a great video of them all dancing together. Evan, as an accomplished social entrepreneur, what advice would you give others who want to make an impact? Take your first step and go slowly. Do it and you know, you'll figure it out as you go along. Have somebody who could give you good advice along the way. <laughs> I know I've reached out to you so many times when I needed advice. It kind of figures itself out and also involve as many people as you can in helping you. People you get involved, the more people they know, the more 
successful you'll be. Don't be afraid of failure. If you mess up, you learn something and you know for the next time. Right. Never really afraid of failing or messing up. It just I do it so often. It just you know it's, <laughs> it's a great learning experience. You know, so it is. Plunge in, try it. If it doesn't work, try something else. We certainly love what you do. We're proud of whatever we've done to help bring breaking the chain to where it is today. And I want to thank you, Evan, and you girls for sharing your thoughts about this really very, very important work. 